I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Uh, Today I'm here with Nick Simpson. Nick is the founder and CEO of Mentis Capital Partners. Um, Nick has a really interesting story and, and we've now known each other, gosh, I think, I don't know, six or eight months. Uh, so we've gotten to know a lot about each other. Thanks for coming on the show today, Nick. I, I'm, I'm glad to have you on. And uh, I look forward to hearing your story sort of for everyone listening. So why don't you give us a little bit about your background? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, so I'm a real estate developer in Salisbury, Maryland. And I focus on multifamily student housing. Uh, and I've had a past life with a little bit of commercial and retail and certainly focus on the value add and uh, you know redevelopment type plays in the market and have, have grown from one house to two to ten to uh, you know getting into larger multifamily properties and started similar to a lot of other people and uh, have a have a lot of a lot of goals for continuing the growth and look forward to uh, you know kind of navigating some of these tougher times and and being better for because of it yeah yeah um knowing what i know about you and your background i think i would argue that maybe you don't have a (laughs) similar i think we have a similar background in terms of sort of when we started uh working and things like that would you talk a little bit about um your your lawn care business and and sort of how that all got started and and i think i'm really gotten big into mindset and i feel like when people hear this, they're going to understand why this is, you know, sort of compelling in terms of mindset. Oh, sure. So in, I guess it's always been ingrained in me. I mean, we didn't, my family never really had like a ton of excess money. I mean, we weren't, you know, uh, there was food on the table, of course, but there wasn't like, you know, a ton of excess capital. And um, my parents kind of instilled in me at a young age that you can go work and, uh, you know, reap the benefits of your labor. And so I started a, a lawn care business at a really young age and started with one lawn and then two, and I'm talking like I was maybe in sixth grade, seventh grade, you know, doing one lawn and then, um, you know, got into the point where I was at senior year of high school, um, where I was cutting enough lawns to then sell the company. And then I, uh, paid for my college and, um, I, I really, had that aha moment, you know, when my, my parents told me, I think my parents told me in seventh grade, they're like, you know, we're not paying for your college, but, you know, we'll help you, you know, get to and from the lawns and stuff and we'll help you do it so that you can pay for it yourself. And I think that light bulb moment went on. I was, you know, I felt like I had the power to, to change my situation and uh, I really got to work and I've, all, you know, I think that that work ethic was really ingrained in me, and uh, I took that, you know, took that with me to college. And I still remember when I got there, I was 
I was bored. I was used to getting up early, kind of getting, uh, you know, I was still doing school. So I still had to go to senior year of high school, but I was still getting everything ready for the day. And then I would leave school early and go cut lawns until dark or run the mulching crews or whatever we were doing. I mean, it was simple stuff, but we were making decent money. And uh, when I got to school, I was kind of bored because like my schedule was not nearly as rigorous as what I put myself through before. And eventually I found my way into reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, like many other real estate investors had. And I, that was what started the real estate uh, path for me. And that was coming right out of the recession. I think it was about 2000, maybe 12 when I read that book. I, I read it in one Saturday, didn't put it down and ended up buying my first house pretty shortly thereafter and did a ton of sweat equity it was a total i mean the total purchase price including renovations was maybe seventy thousand dollars and uh, we it came with a lot next door and i had to go through subdivisions to subdivide the lot but ended up selling that that piece of land for more money than i had put down in the house originally so I took all of that money and moved on to the next one and the next one and it, it grew from there. So it just, uh, it, you know, I just, it, you know, I think a lot of people thought I was crazy for starting the recession, but in hindsight, that was the time to be <laughs> buying real estate. And yeah. uh, nobody thinks I that wish... was crazy though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, I just kind of, I, I didn't have all the answers, but I knew I was going to figure it out and just got started. And that's always been kind of how I've kind of made things happen. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just doing it. And I, I think, you know, we've talked about it, but, you know, similarly, we'd have a lot of, a lot of money when I was young. We, uh, I ha happened to have an uncle that had started a business just pressure washing. And he's like, I need people to work for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I was also like 12 or 13, went to work, learned, learned what work ethic is. And it is, it is funny that, you know, when you come from from that and starting it at a young age, and then you do go to to college, you have a lot of extra time. Like you really do have a, a lot ton. of extra time. Like like <laughs> yeah. college is not that hard. It's it's kind of a I think um, very if if you do the right things with it, which you did, you can make a lot out of it. Now I will say you you did a lot smarter things with the money than I did. You you kind of started building your real estate portfolio right away, which is great. And also you say, oh, I did this, you know, landscaping business and I sold it and I paid for college. And you say that like, that's nothing. Uh, like paying for college <laughs> before you start college is a huge deal, right? Like there's a, there's a national crisis basically in terms of student loan debt. So aside from the tremendous accomplishment that it is, so congratulations, like the-, the Thank you for that. The, value that that created for you going forward to be able to have something that you did and you grew and built up before you even started college kind of set you on the right path of not having of a, a bunch of student loan debt when you came out it's like i mean really you did everything right like everything that i want young people to know like i want them to listen to your story and be like just do what nick did it's it like it's 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 not easy, but it's that simple. No. Just do what he did because you will come out on top. Like you'll have, you know, a very, very good foundation to, to kind of go from there. And even if real estate's not your direction, which I hope that 
many people consider it, but uh, just coming out of college without any debt really gave me the freedom to pursue whatever I wanted. Uh, and I, I just kind of, I really believe in like personal responsibility. And I know that might not be the most popular opinion these days, but uh, that kind of what this all, that's kind of what this all centered on was I had the ability to change where I was going and it was my work that changed it. And I could control that and I can get up and go to work. And I got done with college in three years because I was paying for it. And I guarantee there's students that, you know, maybe their parents are paying for it or they just took loans and it was just more comfortable go to go through with four years. And I would have enjoyed that too. But at some, you know, sometimes I think we just have to make the harder choices and just tackle those, tackle those barriers. And I, I'm not saying, you know, I'm a perfect path at all. I, I've made plenty of mistakes along the way, uh, but I've just tried to give myself the best chance of succeeding and, uh, you know, try to keep going down that path. But um, the student debt thing is definitely something, um, if you have it, tackle it as fast as humanly possible, get it out of your life. And uh, it will just open open a lot of possibilities. I mean, the first couple of years I started the company, I mean, I was doing a lot of the renovations and, and then eventually kind of started a construction company and that was doing new construction and doing all of our tenant fit outs. And we were really uh, you know, growing that arm of the company. And I wasn't taking any salary because I didn't need to make you know any kind of debt obligations there wasn't new cars to pay for there wasn't fancy vacations or college payments it was just keep the overhead as low as possible i was uh, even sleeping on friends you know friends couches and i've slept on a couple job sites and early on you know i mean yeah. I, I wouldn't be afraid to do it again if i if i had to but uh, i guess what i'm getting at is personal responsibility does does uh does come you know you can change yourself it's hard to change change yeah, everybody else absolutely it's it's i mean yeah it, you know i i do talk a lot about mindset on this podcast and it's become i think it's funny because it's almost like real estate and mindset are really intertwined and i think that a, a lot of people get into the real estate world and if they realize that if they're going to be successful they have to develop that mindset that is in alignment with what you're talking about right now, right? This like personal responsibility, everything I do is a choice. I, cho I choose to get up early. I choose to put the work in. I choose to, you know, forego the fancy car. But I think what, with you, you know, congratulations to your parents or whatever it was, you know, something instilled that in you at a lot earlier age than it does for most people. And I think, you know, sure, maybe you've had some, some negative things happen, but like you set yourself up where there's more wins than there's going to be losses and it's going to make handling those losses easier. And it's just a way that, you know, I think if, if young people could do something of that, right? Like just, don't, you don't have to be in your forties and fifties when you realize like, oh, I wish I, <laughs> I wish I did a little bit more back then because then I would be all set now. And it's like, there's, I think that's, to me, that's the whole point of like trying to spread the message of this. It's like, like you said, like, I don't care if it's real estate, real estate's a great vehicle to get there, but 
if you just do, you know, it's a little bit of sacrifice, it's a little bit of personal responsibility, it's a little bit of the, you know, kind of long-term vision, essentially long-term goal. And, and then you can get there. And if you have time on your side, right, if you start when you're 12, 20, even 25, you've got a lot, a lot of years ahead of you, at which point then to enjoy kind of the fruits of that labor. If you don't think about it until you're 50, just <laughs> the well, law of nature, you're not going to, you know, you yeah. don't have as many hours to let it compound. So I, I actually think that's a very powerful message and um, something for me with my kids, what I, what I want to instill in them. I'm not, I'm not doing real estate because I want to hand them like a bucket of money or anything like that. I, I want them to understand these values and put them in place early so that they can do whatever they want, right? If that's real estate, great. If that's, you know, you know, f- taking that, that generational wealth or that, uh, you know, investments and using it to feed hungry people, whatever, you know, give back, that's the goal, right? It's not, not to be, you know, <laughs> ridiculously rich and sit in a room full of money. It's to, you know, have some sort of purpose. And so you, when you start building toward that purpose at an early age, like you did, I think, you know, just, you can have so much more growth and you don't have to feel rushed. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different reasons I think that people move forward and you know kind of being like open. You know, I, I don't know if I like talk about this like on a you know. There's definitely parts of me that you know I get up because I'm you know, worried about scarcity or uh, you know I'm sure everybody has a piece of ego that they want to you know mm. prove it to themselves. I and mean, there's always these little pieces, and everybody's different. You know, like I'm not you know I I don't wear a watch. I don't have you know jewelry or anything. You know, like I. That's not that's not why I'm doing it. I, um, you know, I, I do like nice cars. I, that would be nice to be able to, um, you know, kind of trade in and out of cars faster. But it's not it's not the same for everybody. But whatever it is, you know, it kind of builds up who you are. You know, for me, I definitely want to prove it to myself. I'm harder on myself than anybody is. I'm, you know, definitely that that scarcity thing. I want to be able to take care of myself and my family and really anybody in my my circle and, and give back and all of those things like you kind of you know you kind of just have to like tap into to to keep getting up because there are plenty of times when it is just hard and I mean uh, I, we went through it last year with the coronavirus I mean we were really on an upward trajectory and you know the world came to a stop and uh, you know we had a you know fortunately it was I had positioned us well enough that we could tied the storm and you know it, we had cash reserves and everything but those are uh those are times you got to really dig deep and you know it's yeah. not as much fun going to work when you're right. <laughs> shoveling out those reserves but it's uh right. i don't know it, i mean it I speaks to your preparedness right yeah. you the, the the foundation that you built allowed you to get through you know a crisis time like that and it's like on a larger scale just not even you know from a real estate standpoint it's like people that at least had some level of, uh, you know, reserves or so. I'm talking like even in your personal life, some level of um, just not being completely stretched thin, then COVID was going to be less of a hit to them than it is to, to people that are, you know, kind of 
really stretched out and it's you know and and I recognize like there are different life situations as well and it's not it's never it's never it's not easy for a lot of people and I but I think one of the quotes that I really like that I've seen is it's difficult to be poor it's difficult to be wealthy choose your difficult right so it's like if you you can it, it just goes back to what you're saying with personal responsibility it's like let's let's try and take control of it uh our, ourselves and, and and maybe that means you reach out for help you get a mentor whatever it is like there's some there are things that you can do to help set yourself up for success but but some of it is going to come down to just plain old work ethic and and a little bit of sacrifice too to to get where you want because then in five years or 10 years then it really will be easy then you really will be you know you keep those same patterns going and you'll have built up that foundation that you need to really you know kind of then set it on cruise control i think is is for a lot of people that's kind of the goal when it comes to this is get to a point where it's like it's you don't you don't necessarily have to build forever you have to build to a point where you've achieved what you want what whether that you know financial stability uh time freedom the ability to give back all of those things and then you just watch it happen enjoy it you know at, well, at that point yeah and you know like when i when i talk to different investors like i talk to different investors along the path at many different stages like some people are their their house is not in order you know like their personal finances right they're not in order and i I'm like you know i i really love your investment right now but uh, you know that's got to happen first you know before uh, in my opinion before i take your money uh, and invest it in properties i think mm-hmm. it's best to kind of get that that ship on you know kind of kind of anchored or yeah. uh, build the house on a solid foundation rather and then I talk to investors who have millions and millions of dollars of net worth, and they're looking for different angles and expanding the portfolio and looking at depreciation benefits and how can they shelter, you know, taxes with the the new 1031 regulations or opportunity zones. And it, it, when you, I guess what I'm getting at is each person is a different stage in their their journey, but the people I see that get the furthest at least, uh, you know, in my experience, are the people that just put one foot in front of the next day after day after day. It could be just small incremental progress. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the largest investors I know came to this country with no money, couldn't even speak the language, learned our language, went to college, got a job, and just over decades of hard work has a very, very, very successful real estate company. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just flattered. He's interested in, you know, kind of investing with uh, the next generation. So it's uh, just kind of a get started type of yeah type of you mindset. Just do do something right. Like get pick pick a a thing. It doesn't matter what it is, right? It it, it you, there's a million different things to do within real estate. There are other ways to invest, but just start looking at it as if that's your your goal, your, your, you know, sort of approach in that you're going to do something to grow your wealth, starting however small it is. And yeah, you you know, you're right. The the goal, you and I are very aligned on this, like, we're not, we don't want to take anyone's last few dollars, 
Like that's not, that's, that's not, not ethical. Yeah. It's not really legal. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's, there yeah. are SEC regulations against that, but, but also it's just unethical and it's not, you know, so, so when you're talking to investors, it's, it's very important to make sure that, you know, people are aware you can lose some money. It doesn't happen commonly. I actually think it's kind of an interesting, this is a little bit of an aside, but like literally anyone can invest in the stock market. Right, like anybody can get a Robinhood app, and if they want to, they can put a hundred thousand dollars on GameStop. Right, they could have jumped in on that whole Reddit craze. Anyone could have done and that. Lost a fortune. Right, yeah. and lost all of their money. Like any person can do that. There's no regulation to that. However, in order to invest in a lot of real estate deals, you have to be an accredited investor, and the you know the rationale is that it's to protect people. But I'm like, well, why are we? Why are we protecting them from what is probably the safer investment and not protecting them from like, I, I think it's actually like taking opportunities away from people. If that's my opinion on it, I think I understand we don't want people to do crazy things and blow all their money, but like it's already happening. Like it can happen now just through the stock market. So it's a little, I mean, this is a little bit off topic, but it's something that I've definitely realize as I go through it and it's like you're doing capital raising and you're thinking you know there's all the rules for the uh, a 503c raise versus a b raise and who you can talk to and you can't advertise with a b but those same people that can't be a part of a 503c raise could take all of their money and put it on a stock that might crash tomorrow like yeah, that's uh, that's like putting it all on black. Uh, right, right. I, I think the same logic goes for a stock or for real estate, and you know, and certainly we do some deals where we bring sophisticated investors in, and you know, that that really, I mean, it's it's a sophisticated investor for a reason, and that means they truly understand what they're getting into, mm-hmm. and maybe that's where some people are at, and they're they're at the point where they just need to teach themselves and it takes a lot of time to learn about you know real estate if you're like really in the beginning maybe just pick up the rich dad poor dad kind of overall type you know type books but you know to advance it a little bit further I mean there's there's courses out there Um, you know I I think it's I think it's really important for people to you know kind of take a deeper dive and really fully understand what they're investing in because I won't take their money unless they, you know, can truly, uh, you know, understand how we're getting there. But that's not just, that's also not to scare people away from like, if you can't calculate an IRR and uh, you don't know how to do a waterfall promote structure and, you know, uh, you know, decide whether or not you're going to do a cash on cash or IRR, you know, hurdles and all that sort of stuff. That's just like French to you. That's okay because I had no idea when I was buying my first house either, you can still get away with a more of a basic uh, property. You don't don't have to know every term, right? If you're not doing the syndication, you don't have to know every single term. Um, I do think since we're talking about it, would you uh, just explain the difference between accredited investor and a a sophisticated investor for people that are listening? I think a lot of people will know, but some won't. I think that's an important uh, distinction for people to understand why we're even talking about this, I guess. Yeah. So an accredited investor uh, has made $300,000 annually. Um, I think $200,000, uh, $300,000, including their spouse or $200,000 as an individual. 
uh, for the past few years, and they have a net worth greater than $1 million, excluding the value of their home. And that's, that's the important part right there. So their investments, their retirement, their 401ks, their uh, you know, stocks, and you know, whatever other assets they have, or just money in the bank has to total over $1 million, excluding their home. And in the eyes of the SEC, that person is now deemed to be uh, accredited and they don't care if they lose all of their money because they can now invest it at their will. They've but everybody- shown, They've yeah. shown that they're okay to lose their money, basically. Uh, I guess so. But the guy that's worth $900,000, you know, he's not, he's, not a, he's not allowed to do that. Um, and this actually is validated by third-party uh, validation services. We can't just take people's word for it. Uh, but then there's the other side of it where you can take sophisticated investors, and that's people who you built a financial relationship with. You know, I typically want to know, uh, you know, their incomes. I want to know their goals. I want to, you know, know that they've been able to uh, kind of really understand what we're talking about as far as, uh, you know, how the, you know, how the rents are going to be coming in, the expenses, the, the overall, you know, the basics of the the deal. They need to be sophisticated enough and learned enough about real estate to make a wise decision on whether or not they should make that investment. And that is allowed in uh, certain deals, but only 35 of those investors can be involved in the deal and we can't publicly advertise that deal. So they are definitely more far and few between, typically found more in that local real estate type type deal. And, uh, you know, I think you know, if you're looking to go into a property with your neighbor, you know, that's kind of maybe where you're going to fall into that category. Um, but definitely trying to get over that million dollar net worth is, it's really, uh, it's really key to opening Pandora's box, if you will. Yeah. And it, it's, it's either, or it's your million dollars of, of net worth. Or yes. I'm sorry. 200,000 single or 300,000. Thank you for uh, clarifying. Mary, you don't have um, to have all of that. Cause I, I used to think that it was have no, to be it, both it's either uh, or yep. yeah so you can either be i guess like a really good saver slash investor and maybe not has it have as high of a salary or you just make good money and and then again they don't care yeah. if you have <laughs> if you've saved any of it basically it, it's it's a fairly arbitrary definition i think and like i said it to me i i think it i understand the reasons for it's supposed to protect people, but I also think it probably excludes some people from a an opportunity. Because, like you said, like if you have nine hundred thousand dollars in net worth, but you make a hundred thousand a year, you don't qualify. It, which it does probably still a good investor like that. You know, yeah. so it's it's kind of a uh, an arbitrary number. They just they just expanded the rules in, um, I think, the fall, and it also includes like people that kind of work in the field there's some other definitions but that's the the one that that you you know that that most uh, uh, syndicators use is is this like accredited or um sophisticated investor and so what just to also sort of touch on that that difference in terms of raising capital the 503c is only open to accredited investors and can be advertised that's correct 503b is like you said 35 you can have 35 sophisticated investors the rest would have to be accredited 
but you can't advertise it. So you have to have a pre-existing and substantial relationship essentially is how they, I guess, uh, define that. With, so you have to, it basically has to be someone you already know. You can't find a deal, then go meet them and be, and say, hey, you want to invest in this deal. So, and that's actually like, you know, like as people get to know, you know, especially like as our companies grow and, you know, like as we've gone forward, certainly have more and more friends and family and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, business colleagues will reach out and we kind of just, you know, I'm not expecting anything on that initial phone call. And sometimes it just takes them a couple months, but I, I've noticed more and more people are now calling back and we're building that financial um, relationship with them. And, you know, we do deals that work for sophisticated investors every once in a while, uh, just because I really want to make sure that my friends and family and people in my yeah. network are able to get the benefits of real estate and not just get, you know, let's, you know, let's say they decide to go with a REIT or something other than an actual syndication. The big difference with syndication is that you get depreciation benefits. You actually own the property and that, that really increases returns rather than just you, uh, you know, getting a, a portion of the overall REITs, you know, distribution. It's, um, I don't know. I think it's definitely, like you said, it's definitely a little unfair, but if you can find somebody who's putting together deals, um, you know, building your financial, um, you know, I guess building a financial relationship, being open and honest about yeah. where you're at and where you want to go can really open a lot of doors. Yeah. And, you know, there, there are lots of, 503b raises out there like that's not it's not like those are impossible to find and so if people are interested the idea is go form those relationships right if you want to invest in real estate as a passive investor but you haven't yep. reached that point of being an accredited investor first that's an easy thing to do it just might take a little bit more work where you have to you know someone has to reach out to nick here and say look i want to be i want to get to know you i want to be a part of your deals but I'm not accredited, like, can, can I get, you know, you, you may educate them a little bit, kind of tell them how the structure of deals work and things like that. And then you just get to know them. And like you said, you, you talk to them about what their goals are, right? Cause there's going to be people that, uh, what, you know, they want their money in and out quick. There are going to be people that want a long-term hold. There are going to be people that, have a certain threshold for returns that they won't invest in a deal that has projected returns below that, or, you know, so they're all different, different uh, criteria and, and the, you know, the tax benefits, some people are, are doing it purely for the tax benefits. Usually those are the ultra wealthy people that are just like, I need to <laughs> put my money somewhere so I don't pay a big tax bill, but it's, uh, it is really kind of like figuring out what the investors goals are, what they really want out of that investment. But I think, I would say there's no, there's really no downside to investing in real estate in terms of the ability to grow your wealth. You just have to be smart about it, like you should be with anything else, right? It's just, That's right. it's it's doing your own doing your own homework. Back to sort of taking personal responsibility, like you brought up right at the beginning, is this that this is this is a good way to do it, but you you can't just sort of blindly throw your money out there and think that everything will be okay. Well, quick way to make sure that, you know, a, a sponsor is actually, uh, you know, invested in the deal. And, you know, I, I guess the, the quickest way is, are they investing in the deal personally? Yeah. Do they have experience in that market or that 
type of product and really just get to know who you're investing alongside. That can go a long way. And that is without a question, the number one thing the big guys do first. Like if they're, if the big guys aren't, if they haven't done a deal with you, they're going to start small with you. They're going to get to know you. They're not going to put all their eggs in their basket, you know, in the one basket uh, from the beginning. And then, uh, you know, when they find quality sponsors, I, the big guys really, really just open up. And um, it's, I know it's a, it's a, it's a whole nother world. I look forward to getting there. Uh, you know, too much capital is a problem yeah. where you don't know how to place all the capital that wants to be in your deals. Um, but that's, you know, that's just with building the track record and getting more and more and more people who are interested in working with the deals. And I can already see that trajectory uh, coming and it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a whole, a whole nother problem that we'll look to solve. Yeah. When it's we get a, there. it's a, a different set of problems, but, but especially as, as, you know, people in, in that are starting out with capital raising, you hear people having that problems of, of too much capital for their deals. And that's a very good problem to have. I think it, it's one of the, you need, you need deals and you need capital and that's, that's what makes the whole thing flow. So it's, yeah, but it's, you know, don't feel sorry for yourself. I mean, that person who got there started in your exact shoes right. and they started had to pick up the phone yep. just yep. like you do. And yep. uh, yeah, just start calling everyone, you know, and, and saying, Hey, let, do you know anybody who else who would be interested in this? So you just got to spend the time and put in the work. And it's again, just, just back to that personal responsibility thing. So I, I think that's certainly a, a very good theme for this, for this podcast episode. Um, Nick, I, I just want to ask you kind of a couple of questions that I sort of like to ask for, for uh, each guest. Um, sure. The first one has a lot to do with just the name of the podcast, the, the Know Your Why podcast. Uh, and it's, it's always thrown out in, you know, people talk when you're, you're reading about becoming a real estate investor and all of that, everybody sort of throws out, you know, you need to know your why. I sometimes feel like it gets thrown out there and it's like, Yep, I need to know my why, and then I can, you know, kind of move on. But I do. I that's why I named this podcast the way I did because I think it's incredibly important. It's been incredibly important for me. It took the birth of my son to really make me say, "Yeah, this this needs to happen." And and because once you have that why, your drive, your drive will continue through those bad times. Your drive will continue when we get hit with a global pandemic. You're you'll have still that, uh, you know, kind of motivation so so for you nick what what do you consider your why at, at this point you know there's there's a couple really you know pure honest i think human emotions uh, certainly we touched on one of them uh, to be completely secure uh, to know that i don't have to worry about any type of financial uh, burdens proving it to myself uh, that i can actually make it happen uh, i definitely have I have goals to get back. And I also uh, really would like to leave a, a, a major change on, you know, on the, the cities and, um, you know, the developments that I'm, that I'm doing. And, and certainly like one of the projects we're working on right now is going to become the tallest building in the downtown area. And it really is going to bring a lot of life back to that street. And, you know, obviously we would like to make a lot of money on the project, but there is a, a community factor to it and it makes mm -hmm. going to work uh fun and you know i've i've sold insurance in the past uh, i actually did an internship in college and i sold insurance for a while and it, i that was a good 
um, a good teaching moment that you can make a lot of money, but you for me, I was miserable. I yeah. hated it. I <laughs> did not want to do it. And, uh, you know, so for me, I guess to wrap it up, I want to be happy doing what I'm doing every day. Our time here is limited. And if too many days in a row, I'm not enjoying what I'm doing, then, you know, I really need to kind of try to reevaluate and try to get back to that as, as best as possible. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. That makes, that makes total sense. And, um, I just a follow up to that and because we can talk about it, cause I know it's a 503 C race, but <laughs> one, you, you talked about community and, and the deal that Nick just mentioned, we don't have to get into all the details unless you want to, but it's, it's in an opportunity zone, which, uh, for people who don't know opportunity zones, there's from a, investor standpoint, it's really nice because there's some very substantial tax benefits to it. From a community and neighborhood standpoint, an opportunity zone is an opportunity zone because they're trying to drive development and growth and rebuilding into underserved and underprivileged communities. So it's a very good opportunity to actually give back and bring bring you know, pride of neighborhood back, I, I believe. And I, I uh, and get compensated for it. Yeah, right. Yeah. You get, you, you make some money doing good. So I think it's, you know, uh, there's a lot to be said for, you know, kind of some of those um, societal benefits uh, other than just, you know, it's nice to get paid, but it's also nice to like look around you and see what I created yeah. and made this nice community here. So I, I think there's, there's a lot of that. So I, I think, uh, you know, that that's great. Uh, you know, sort of every, everybody's wise individual. And I really like hearing kind of that. That's what got me into this whole podcast thing too, is I just like hearing why people, what, you know, drives people. Um, so tell me something about yourself that maybe people don't know, uh, can be hobby. It can be a guilty pleasure. It can be, you know, anything that you can think of that you think would be kind of funny, interesting, out there, whatever that might be? Well, I, I definitely, I definitely like nice cars. I don't, I don't, uh, don't own any Lamborghinis or anything just yet. I, um, well, I had somebody, this is going kind of back to the original one, um, original question. I had somebody when I was like, in ninth grade asking what my dream car was. And at the time it was a Lamborghini Murcielago. And he looked right back at me very serious and was like, no, 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 like a serious dream car, one that you might actually be able to buy. And I was so like internally offended. I was like, oh, I'm gonna show you. Like, are you kidding me? Uh, no, I in just- front of his house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know which finger might be uh, waving to him right. when I'm doing right. it, but- uh, right. um, Wanna ride in my Lamborghini? Yeah, that's right. Um, no, and Rose just there. getting the okay. ego out of the way, yeah. I really just like the idea that this can give you the power to get, or, you know, kind of the freedom really to get yeah. what you want. Um, you know, I, since growing up and kind of, I don't need to prove it to him anymore. I just want to reinvest. I'd much rather have the money reinvested in, in real estate, but, uh, you know, one day when, when it doesn't matter so much, uh, you know, certainly, um, do that, but I think that in front of his house. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if this is incriminating or not, but I have definitely, um, I've definitely, 
I don't know if anybody likes Lamborghini Porfamantes. It's the Huracan. Um, I can I can definitely say that the top speed that is posted online is lower than what I got a Porfamante to. So I uh, definitely driven them quite quickly. And um, every once in a while, I you know go rent a fancy car with some friends, and um, that was actually something I did during COVID just to get away from everybody. Uh, yeah. yeah. So oh, that's awesome. yeah, that's something. That's awesome. Love it. Um, all right. Well, we'll put, we'll put everything in the show notes, but how, how would you like people to reach you? You have sort of a specific uh, way that you like to be uh, s- sought out. Yeah, sure. Anybody can reach me through my email. It's nick at mentiscp.com. I'm quite responsive and look forward to talking to you guys. And uh, if you want to partner on any deals or you know, if you want to take a look at our current offerings, like the Ross Project in downtown Salisbury, I'd be happy to talk about all, all possibilities. So, awesome, awesome. Final question, Nick. What what advice would you like to leave for people for people in uh, you know similar shoes to you uh, on how to achieve the success that that you're achieving? You know, I think we've touched on some of those points uh, today, but I'll take it back to. I was sitting in a, a meeting with a, with a mentor pretty early on. He had, I think he at the time had about 400 homes and I was sitting in his office and he looked at me and he said, and I don't think this is really your issue, but you can't be afraid to pull the trigger. And I was like, well, I don't think that's me, but it stuck with me all these years. Um, every time I've like hesitated you know, I really want to get that gut check. Obviously, we want to make sure we're not just doing any deal that comes across our take, you know, our plate. But it's okay to stretch and get uncomfortable. And if you're making the best decision you can with all of the information that's available to you at that time, what's the worst that can happen? You're at least going to learn from it. And uh, you know, if it doesn't work out, you'll pick up the pieces on the other side. You'll be dust yourself off and do it again. But pull the trigger. Get something started. Uh, you know, call a real estate agent. I, uh, I mean, when I was in college buying my first house, I didn't even have a car at school with me. So I was biking to the real estate agent's office and parking my bike around back and walking to the front and pretending like I had enough money to buy a house, which I guess I did, but uh, not a big one. That's for sure. (laughs) So, yeah. Fake it till you make it, make the, (laughs) make the agent believe that you're, that you, you've got this, it's going to be fine. Don't worry. Oh, I've had some weird, I mean, I'm biking to a real estate, you know, agent's office in a suit, you know, you get some side glances, like, what the hell is that? You know, just, I didn't care. I was going to make it happen, period, one way or another. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Well, thanks a lot, Nick. I really appreciate your time and coming on. I think uh, you provide a lot of value and, and inspiration to people. Uh, I think it'll be great when this one will come out and everybody can kind of hear your story and, and, you know, really what you what you've done by by just taking personal responsibility at a, at a very young age well thank you jason it's nice talking with you yeah, me too